Oh, this is going to be a good one. You're listening to Pete the Planner. This week on the Pete the Planner show, we answer your money questions. Why? Because we love you. Sorry, Dame. Damien Dunn joins me, uh, Director of Personal Financial Strategies at Your Money Line. Uh, Damien, this is two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. Counts of streaking. If you want to email us, do so, and we will answer your email here on these very airwaves. Ask Pete, that's A S K P E T E at PeteThePlanner.com. That's Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. You email us, we will answer your question. <clears throat> There's one that I actually wrote about in the USA Today. You know what I mean? USA. USA Today, I believe it is a foreign paper. Dear Pete, my 90-year-old father has had an equity-indexed annuity for 10 years. Are you, Dame, are you following along here? So far. I feel like you're, you're playing Minesweeper or something. Maybe. Okay. I'm going to start over because I don't feel confident. All right, fine. I'll pay attention. I'm just doing to you what my wife does to me, which is ask me to listen. Thanks, Mrs. Planner. My 90-year-old father has had an equity-indexed annuity for 10 years. Okay, so an 80-year-old man at one point in time bought an equity index annuity. Yes. He must decide in the next month whether or not to renew an income benefit rider, which guarantees a 5% return if he chooses to begin taking regular lifetime withdrawals. The rider costs 0.25% annually, or what we like to call 25 basis points. Yes. He doesn't need the income or the principal itself. He's 10 years into a 17-year surrender schedule. (coughs) Sorry. Wow. And would have a 10% penalty if he took all the money out of the account right now. Should he renew the rider? We're all a bit confused by the whole ordeal and whether or not this was a good investment for him. It's gone up in value. He's made some free withdrawals. But renewing the rider seems confusing. My dad never intended on taking income from the, from the annuity. It's just emergency money. Uh, Don in Milwaukee. Thanks, Don. Where, where shall we begin? I mean, I think, first of all, we need to spend some time picking our collective jaw off the floor on a 17-year surrender charge. Yeah, I think that's the obvious place to start. So uh, what is a surrender charge? Because like, if, if you don't understand and you don't understand why we were freaking out, uh, it's important to understand that. Sure. So a surrender charge uh, on an annuity contract is put in place. So uh, the insurance company is basically made whole by maybe a, a bonus that they give you for buying their contract or, or something or pay the, uh, the commission to the, the, the agent that sold you the contract. And what it is, it says if you surrender, if you you cancel the contract within a certain number of years, whether it's a, a, a seven-year surrender schedule or 10-year, or in this case, a, seven, a 17? 17 years. I've, I've, honestly, I'd never heard of a 17-year surrender charge. Yeah. Now you have. How about that big so, truck going by the studio? It's. It, I'm sure it's beautiful. And it's. I'm sure it's taking lots of valuable Produce. things yes. some, to somewhere very important. Um, you're going to give the insurance company, some of the money in your contract back, and you're going to walk away with less than you had. So, uh, right. Uh, anytime you buy any financial product or, or invest money into something, there are trade-offs, right? Uh, this is appealing to me. I like this. This is not appealing to me. I do not like this. And a built-in, I do not like this, in the annuity world is something called a surrender charge, just like you said. And it has to factor into your decision despite how much 
the list of, oh, I like this things, like how long that list mm-hmm. is. And so not only as we begin to talk through this and actually answer the real question here, not only do we say, wow, a 17-year surrender charge, that stinks. But Damien, then we're saying a 17-year surrender charge for an 80-year-old man. Yeah, not a lot of flexibility there. No, right? Okay, so here, here's what I think happened as we make our way to, again, eventually answering the question. This happened in June of 2009. As you know, because we have the benefit of... Uh, retrospective looking, uh, we know that the market actually turned in March of 2009. We know that. There, that is fact. Sure. It did. However, at the time when that was happening, the pain of eight, 2008, was still very fresh. It was still very scary, especially for conservative investors. Mm-hmm. So this person made the decision to put a big chunk of money, no matter where it was before, into this annuity, which which likely had a bonus attached mm-hmm. to it. You deposit this much, we're going to give you a 6% bonus, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. And therefore, this person was like, I just want capital preservation. I don't want money to go backwards. I want the bonus. 17-year surrender charge, that's fine because I don't plan on touching this money anyway. Mm-hmm. But what confuses me about this, it doesn't confuse me, it, it sort of upsets me, is why would you then put, why would the salesperson put an income benefit rider on there for 25 basis points. Because the weird part about that, Dame, is riders generally don't increase commission, okay? okay. They, they just generally don't on annuities. So my only thought is that this guy put it on there just to make the contract seem better for the guy or said, well, if you ever wanna do take income, here's a, an additional 5% guarantee that only applies if you choose to make regular income withdrawals out of this. So that's where I'm confused. And the idea of continuing to pay for that benefit that the person would never, would never use, that's what bothers me. Yeah. First, don't re-up the rider. You, no. The, the, you're yeah. done with it. Done. Um, second, I, I think since we've established it's June 2009 when this is going, I think in the heat of the moment when you're already panicked and if the, the agent says, I can guarantee income for you, you know what? Even though you may not have ever had a plan to use that money, you know, for 25 basis points, gosh, maybe that's a smart thing to do. And I can see how somebody who didn't think they were ever going to need it or ever use it for what seems to be a insignificant amount of money when when it's, you know, a quarter of 1%. Yeah, go ahead and throw that on there. Right. So I, I, I totally understand how somebody in his position would have potentially said, yeah, let's do that. This question also illustrates the complexity of suitability requirements mm-hmm. in the insurance world. Uh, I, I will I will state my own personal opinion here. I don't want to group you into what my thoughts. I think annuities have their place, absolutely mm-hmm. have their place. I think every financial product has an appropriate place. I think oftentimes annuities are sold in the wrong place. Sure. You know, square peg, round hole situation. Sure. I've got family members that have annuities. Um, I, there are certain types of investors uh, at different stages of life where an annuity might mean they can sleep at night. Sure. And there's a, a very big benefit to totally. overall well-being. You know, I had a guy, uh, I spoke at a car manufacturing facility earlier this week, and a guy asked me about annuities. And I said, essentially what you're doing is you're taking the risk that you have uh in your investments and you're buying 
the right for someone else to take on that risk. And sometimes you pay the correct price mm-hmm. for that risk, and other times you pay too much for the right to transfer that risk. And what is fascinating about this, so I, I would never have sold this annuity to this person. I don't sell annuities, but I would not have sold annuity to this person. It clearly got by the suitability department. And I think the weirdest part about this, Dame, is that it actually worked out fine. Yeah. Yeah. So then, you know, when I say that, and I'm, there are always insurance people that listen to the show, they will say, well, how could you say it wasn't suitable if now in retrospect you're saying it worked out well for them? That's a fair question, but that's not how suitability that, that's not best interest of the client. This was never in the best interest of the client to do this. Uh, it just cleared the suitability department, and it happened to work out. Yeah, I don't know if I could have gotten this. Pa- I, a, I wouldn't have done it, but B, I don't know if I could have got it through compliance or suitability with with the facts being as what they were. I, I think the main issue, if we're thinking through this here, I think the main issue is the 17-year surrender charge for an 80-year-old man. Yep. That's what has me going, I would never recommend that. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. So anyway, the answer is do not re-up the income rider and keep the annuity at this point. What's it really matter? Yeah. Um, you've got downside protection because it's, you know, it's an equity index annuity. You can't lose money on it. Uh, but don't buy anything else from that person. Nope. All right, coming up after the break, we're going to answer more of your money questions. Ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com. The show is the Pete the Planner Show, and I am Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner Show, Damian Dunn in studio. Hey, Pete. I didn't, I didn't want to say hi again. I was just telling people that you're on the show. Sorry. You can say hey, hi to them. I say, hey, everybody. Yeah, not that many people are. are. Okay, so uh, I was doing some free writing in the last couple of weeks. How does this happen? Like I, when I was in school and the teacher would walk in and say, all right, today we're going to do some free writing. You know, and you're like, mm, I don't want to do that. It's all free in school. You don't get paid for it, right? Hey. Wow. Uh, was that joke free? Yeah. You got what you pay for. Dear Pete, love the show, especially like when Damien makes jokes. Somebody send that email. Please flood his inbox. But now I find myself free writing all the time just to work concepts out. And I'm just going to put something out there before it's actually ready for consumption. So let's see how it goes. All right. I might write a column about this. I might not. No one knows. All right. I think we've talked about this concept prior to the 1930s. No one really, really retired, right? You, right. you just sort of, you kind of just died, Yep. right? You didn't stop working. That being said, in 1875, the first pension uh, came around. It was from American Express, believe it or not. First pension came around in 1875. So some people kind of stopped working, but the vast majority of Americans could not afford to fund their financial future. They weren't saving. They only cared about their financial present, mm-hmm. which makes sense. And on sure. the show, we talk about, all of us, you, me, everybody, we, we are responsible, our income is responsible for funding our past, our present, and our future. Your past is debt, present is your lifestyle, and future's future retirement. But around the 1930s, so Social Security started to create this idea for people that you will have a financial future. So that began, along with the popularity of pensions, to begin to tell people, okay, there is a financial future, but you are no longer personally responsible for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so think how different that is from what we deal with today. Sure. Right? Starting in the 1950s, 
consumer debt became a thing. Credit cards became a thing. And obviously went through a, a crazy trajectory to where we are today. So from the turn of the 20th century to the turn of the 21st century, we went from an entire culture that your income did one thing, it just provided a living for you, to making you take your income to pay for your past, which was induced by cultural spending habits, fund your present, which is also uh, affected mm-hmm. by cultural norms now, and then the onus for retirement savings nearly 100% shifted to the American worker in the early 80s. So I think our financial lives are complex because it's been about 30 years in the history of American uh, society. And it's been only been in 30 years that people have been forced to live their financial lives the way they live them. So what I just said is either very intelligent or it makes absolutely no sense. Damien, no pressure. Is it? Does it make sense? Ladies and gentlemen, I want to uh, publicly claim that this is a very great insight that Pete just made. Oh my gosh. I feel like I should buy you lunch or we have some booze around here. We can we we'll find something. <laughs> it makes sense. It, it totally does. And if you wanted to take it one step further. Please, make it better. From, from the initiation of what we know now, Things have even changed inside that time period. Oh, yeah. Yes. So it's not just the the initiation and the continuation of that stage, but it's the evolution of how that is and where it's going. It's Things are not getting simpler. They're getting more complicated, and there are more costs that we just assume we're supposed to have on a, a year-in, year-out, day-to-day basis that are going to just absolutely wreak havoc on people's lives as they get older and move into retirement. I think, wow, I just really yelled that word. Um, I think one of the main reasons for this is longevity. Mm -hmm. So I've talked about this on the show before. I was at a thing once and a person said, hey, someone can is living right now that will live to be 130 Mm -hmm. years old which is just mind-blowing. You hear that, and you're like, that cannot be true, but apparently it's true because it's on the internet. Right? Of course. So if you think about it from those terms, you're being asked to work a career in which your future, your retirement, is a longer period of time mm-hmm. than your career itself. Yeah. Dame, the math on that is impossible. Yeah, retire. Honestly, if we're being honest, retiring at 67 is not feasible for most people just because of, A, the job they do. Now or do you mean in the future? Yes. Okay. Yeah, because of the job that they've done preparing for retirement or or the lack of a job that they've done preparing for retirement, and then how long they're going to retire. Yeah. It's You're asking to do so much with so little for most people that it's, it's... so complicated and and so hard that you're setting people up to fail by saying 67 is when you can retire. Let me introduce another point of complexity here, which which if anyone's listening to this and they're like, I don't know, I don't know if I agree, this this might help. Damien, the other side of this is a lot of times people don't feel the pain we're describing in the moment because of their ability to buy things they can't afford via credit. Yep. 
So at one point in time, when these changes were taking place, I think people really did feel the pain because credit wasn't as readily available. It, it had to become popular somehow in overuse and common use is what made it popular. Dame, before that happened, I think people really felt the pinch of this and now we're numb to the fact that of going backwards and we're also not familiar with the idea that once we get to retirement, borrowing is, is virtually impossible. Or what you see, and I, I, I've personally seen it in, in uh, friends, is that people will still borrow consumer debt in retirement and get themselves in so much trouble that they risk foreclosure mm -hmm. in their 60s and 70s. Yeah, home equity loan, go out and do to do whatever, whether it's make home improvements, take a vacation, uh, blah, 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 blah. But yeah, a, your income has never been more fixed than it is in retirement if you are truly retired. And your, yeah, and your in income is, to go on that, your income has never been asked to do more yeah. heading into retirement than it is in the year 2019. Yeah, you know, a lot of, this is totally off topic, a lot of employers are recognizing this, not a lot, some smart ones. And now they don't necessarily have good match policies, 401k match policies and retirement plan policies to attract you as talent or to retain you as talent. They have them so that you can successfully get the heck out of there someday yeah. and they can enjoy business continuation without your high compensation plan. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's in their best interest to have you have a happy, successful retirement. It, this idea, this idea that we have so far to go until we understand how we spend money is fascinating to me because we're so convinced that we always know what is going on. It's like we talked about earlier in the show. In June of 2008, to the June of 2009, the market had already turned and the economy's on its way back up. I can't say I specifically remember June of 2009, but I can tell you this, it didn't feel that way. Nope. Not at all. I mean, you, it you, actually happened in March of 2009, but it didn't feel that way in June of 2009. You were still getting phone calls from people who were freaking out. Oh, absolutely. And I was selling them 17-year uh, surrender charge. Surrender charge, absolutely. So there's that. There's that. What do you want to do next? What, what, what segment is this? Like segment nine? I think so. Okay. Come up after the break. We're going to answer uh, more financial questions. You can always email us. If there's a topic you want us to discuss, you sure. can do it. We're not going to do it today because we don't work that fast. It's askpete at petetheplanner.com. Askpete at petetheplanner.com. Dame, we are weeks away, two, I think, weeks away from moving into our new studio, new offices. No more trucks driving by. Um, we could pipe it in. We should pipe in truck noise just for old time's sake. All right. Uh, we'll be back in just a moment. More of your questions. This is the Pete the Planner Show. And I'm, well, I'm Peter Don. I'm in, there's Damien Dunn, but I'm Pete the Planner. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dane, we were talking during the break. You hit me with a stumper trivia question that I didn't know the answer to, and I still don't know the answer to because you refused to tell me because you wanted to do it on air. What's the question, Dame? All right. We are going to play the latest, hottest game on radio or podcast or just ours. Um, 
1960, what was the average life expectancy for someone in the United States? Okay, can I ask a follow-up question that you won't know the answer to? Absolutely. This isn't being born in 1960. This is if you were just alive in 1960, what's the average life expectancy for someone who was alive in 1960? I I haven't looked that far into it, but that would seem to make sense to me. Okay. I'm really bad at this. I'm about to embarrass our entire organization by my guess. Possible. I'm going 62 years old. 69, actually. Okay. So uh, would you like me to compare those numbers to the UK and Canada real quick? What if I said no? Then I wouldn't. I'd just move on. Okay, but but please do. UK is 71 years, and so was Canada. Actually, they're uh, identical for 1960. So a slightly higher life expectancy in the UK and Canada. So this segment would really bottom out if you didn't have the current life expectancy of people in the United States. The closest I can get is 2016 right now. Okay, I'll take it. Want to get? Want to hazard a guess? Yeah. 77. 78 and a half. Ooh, that's pretty. a much better guess. Okay, so we've gone up nine and a half years of life expectancy. Huh. Canada is, 50 years. is 82, by the way. Okay. Well, so things are nice up there. Cleaner air. Healthcare. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if we look over that, that time period, it's gone up a decade it's and, gone up, yeah, right. and, and think of the, the advances in medical technology that we've had Jeez. and that we're having now. I mean, it, it's, I mean, that's the average life expectancy. See, and with technology and like how I had way too many syllables in the word technology just there, yeah. technology in medicine, we're at a point where each year is bringing even more advances from the previous five years, right? Like, so there's probably like an advent of technology and health advancement in the uh, the 80s, and then it got even crazier in the 90s. Now it feels like every few months, massive changes are expanding uh, our ability to live longer. Yeah. So, okay, let's do this. So 1960s to 2016, what's the math on that? That's 56, 56 years. years. Well, there's some thought that we'll all be dead in 56 years because of global warming. <clears throat> that was an eye roll. You couldn't see it, but yeah. you well, might, look, might have heard it. I'm not dismissive of that. Oh, by the way, I, is this a good time to say um, a few weeks ago on the show, I mentioned how I believed I don't have any interest in self-driving cars. <laughs> <laughs> and one particular listener sent this person through the roof. I mean, they, ang- they left very angry comments. They said that I'm a centrist, which, mm-hmm. by the way, I, I am a centrist. Yeah. I don't take offense to that. No. Uh, and that 30,000 people a year die in car accidents. And because I think that self-driving cars don't make sense, that I, I, I'm probably partially responsible, partially responsible for those deaths. Uh, clearly. So when I, when I express an attitude on here or an, uh, an opinion, uh, if we disagree, it's okay. You don't don't get angry. I mean, just your opinion is is just as valid, if not more valid than mine. But there's no need to get angry. Do we need to start saying Pete's opinions do not reflect the views of Pete's company? I don't. I know because I think. Well, probably. <laughs> All right. So 56 years. I don't know where I was going with this. 56 years. How much? 56 years from now, where do we think life expectancy will have moved? Will it move up another nine and a half years? Damien Dunn, yes or no? I don't think it's unreasonable. 56 years. Think of all the things that could happen between now and then. Do you think you and I could regrow hair? Absolutely. We could do right now. It could be on a billboard, a before and after. Yeah. By the way, uh, my child saw a picture of me from a distance 
And they said, is that you or Damien? Really? Yeah. That's well, uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable because they don't see you that much. I know. That's really uncomfortable. Well, have you been hanging out with my kids? Not that you know of. You wouldn't because they're loud and your ears would be bleeding. That's true. I think that's reasonable. I think 56 years from now, life expectancy in this country. I don't know, dude. We're at 70 and a half. We're talking about taking it to 88. Mm-hmm. You think we'll go to 88? Yeah. In the I next think it's possible. Can you imagine... I'm starting to get into like science fiction population control issues here. Can you imagine the strain on resources if life expectancy goes to 88? Mm-hmm. And by the way, guess who will be that age? You and me. Yeah. <sighs> yep. Yeah, I feel like I'm in a, uh, was a Michael Crichton novel now. Yes. Population control. I feel like yeah. I read a lot of dumb books. Um, some good ones, some dumb ones, just to let my mind fly when I'm flying. And uh, like a hot trend right now is the bad guy is into population control. Mm-hmm. It's like Thanos. He snaps his fingers and half the people die. That's like a hot thing in like thrillers yeah. now. Which now that I'm like, well, I'm in. Yeah, let's do a little population <laughs> control. I'm kidding. Don't Ooh. send me an email. Dame got an email from a guy named uh, Demir. Hi, Pete. Good day. Love your podcast. You know what? I think more people should start an email with good day, exclamation point. I think the astute listener is starting to notice that uh, there's a higher likelihood of their email getting read if they give you a compliment off the top. Okay, well, no. That is absolutely true. You heard it here But first. But I love good day. I mean, it feels, it feels European. Like there's a top hat coming along with good that. Day. Uh, that's good day. Good day. No, let's not do that. Good day, right? That's better. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds pretty good. Okay. Love your podcast is the next. Would you explain the difference between a regular and a self-directed IRA and 401k is one better than the other? Thank you for your assistance. All right, Dame. Uh, here's the thing. It's really about what you put into the IRA. With a self-directed IRA, they have the they have the more the same tax consequences. Mm-hmm. Self-directed IRA, you can get some pretty interesting and creative things in there. Uh, actual gold and commodities. You can do real estate through a mm-hmm. self-directed IRA. They're they're a lot more complex in the sense that you can theoretically put riskier investments in them. That doesn't make them better or worse. I just feel like they are for uh, expert investors and not people who want to be expert investors. And they're often sold to amateur investors who want to appear to be expert, but they are not. That is my opinion. Dame? Yeah, you may actually need the services of a trustee or custodian for for this stuff. Uh, I don't think it's something where you go to Vanguard, sign up for uh, a self-directed IRA and you're just off and running. I think I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. It is. And so and here's where the confusion is. If you sign up for an IRA or 401k, just a regular one, and you're picking your investments, in your mind, that is self-directed. You're directing the right. investments. But that's not what people mean by self-directed. It's, it's a lot more complex than that. I'll just put this out here at the risk of people sending yet even more angry email. Don't get a self-directed IRA. <laughs> just don't do it. Get an IRA and then self-direct your investments, but don't get a self-directed IRA because the the assets within them are incredibly risky. It's really complex. And unless you know what you're doing, 
do not get a self-directed IRA. The, unless you are advised to by an attorney or a CPA because of your financial situation, yeah, I would agree. I, usually the, the assets that are held inside of a self-directed are going to be less liquid than what uh, than your traditional stuff. So it's a consideration that needs to have. And you know, if you can avoid it, avoid it. So, Demir, thank you for your questions. And finally, to you, good day. Oh, nicely. Don't you think, like, if you... Are you, you're not an exclamation point sort of guy, are you? Mm, how many do you have to use in a standard email to be an exclamation point guy? Well, let, let's back up from there. My wife, who is a former educator in the world of grammar and English, says <laughs> her favorite line is, you get three exclamation points in your life. Use them wisely. I guess I'm an exclamation point guy because I've used way more than three. I, I think I average, in a friendly business email, I average two to three. Oh, yeah. That's probably what I'm at. Hey, Gary. Loved your shoe. One shoe? I didn't like the other one. Oh. It's pretty easy. Okay. Let's take a break. Coming back. Biggest waste of money of the week. Current, event, uh, current events. Yeah. We're going to do current events here on the Pete the Planner Show. Summer's heating up, buddy. Lots of good financial news. I'm Pete the Planner. This is Damien. And this is uh, the Pete the Planner Show. Back on the Pete the Planner Show. Biggest waste of money of the week right here. Damian Dunn joins me in studio. The show itself I, is not the biggest waste of money of the week because you didn't pay anything it's for free. it. Uh, but every week we choose something that we find that is a giant waste of money. This week I choose the native plant shoe. Americans alone throw away 300 million pairs of shoes each year. A staggering amount that creates a commis commensurate it's a good word. Mm -hmm. Amount of waste. Native Shoes plans to combat the problem with the plant shoe. 100% animal-free. It's made with sustainable plant-based materials like pineapple husks, linen, canaf fiber, eucalyptus pulp, havea milk, used to make the latex outsoles, and cotton, all of which makes the shoe both biodegradable and compostable ensuring that it won't be taking up space in a landfill decades from now. Okay, Dame, this plant shoe is $200. What are the chances that this plant shoe is durable? Zero. Zero. They've just described it as not durable. It is meant to break down. There is a 0% chance that this shoe makes sense. Look, I am all for protecting things-ishness, the planet. But $200 to buy a shoes that will degrade while you're wearing them, likely. What's that noise? Is that noise from your mouth? No. That sounded like a noise. Maybe a noise from my mouth. Hmm. Hope no one heard it. I don't know. That's a, to that's a big waste of money. Totally. It could be an appetizer for my dog. Had you, had you been thinking about that? line as i was telling the joke yeah i did i could tell i feel like you were waiting to deliver that tepid humor <laughs> you know what you can do the show yourself <laughs> no i have and it's no fun i'd rather make fun of you all right you're up uh, did you uh did you get into the uh the game of thrones pete 
I didn't. I didn't. Did you ever watch an episode? We we watched a couple seasons, and then I was just so confused. Like at night, I don't want to think, and I yeah yeah, yeah I I actually I, I never watched really? a single episode. Yeah. So anyway, uh, fans are rabid. You can't get enough. We might go back to it, but really? yeah, we're running out of shows. Okay, yeah. So you saw stuff. Game of Thrones branded. Everybody had a marketing deal with Game of Thrones. Well. Imagine if you could own a collector's edition item so rare and exotic that other fans are sure to feel jealous. Is it the Starbucks cup that was in the scene? Nope. Fender guitars are generally the best in the market, and now they've launched a new series of guitars modeled on the Game of Thrones theme. What was it? Well, there's they've got one, I think, for each of the houses that are in the Game of Thrones. Thrones, sorry. Do you think Uh, people care about this? They're banking on it because uh, they are not inexpensive guitars so the uh the house of stark telecaster yeah you want to guess on uh, how much uh, i don't know how much a guitar is i mean i i would uh 1500 bucks the house of stark telecaster is 25 grand Twenty five thousand dollars american american not not whatever monetary who unit who would were. buy that besides jim ursay <laughs> well he's also going to probably pick up the house of lannister guitar that's a, a cool 30 grand it's got some 24 karat gold leaf on it Who, what nerd is going to have the sort of coin to buy these things and then the, there's a one more guitar with a name that i don't want to butcher and incur the ire of of uh oh game of thrones but uh that one's 35 grand you know what that is what's you know what though I was trying to think, what's a bigger waste of money, yours or my plant shoes? I mean, I know they're different amounts of money, but I still feel like the plant shoes are a biggest waste, a bigger waste of money. They're they've just described them like, oh, these things will fall apart really easy. It's, it's like, true. why would I pay two hundred dollars for these? The guitar will at least is, not decompose in a landfill. This is ninety thousand dollars worth of guitars. I will only buy things that don't decompose in landfills because that's how you know they're quality and they'll last. That's right. That's exactly right. The average employer 401k match reached 4.7% this year, according to Felity. You know, that real fancy company, Felity. Good good job, employers. Which manages more than 30 million retirement accounts. That's Felity. Fidelity. That's a record high, the company tells CNBC. Dame, for years, uh, the 401k match, the contribution that an employer puts in, decades was stuck between three to four percent. So that four point seven percent increase, uh, increase to four point seven percent is significant. Absolutely. As we talked actually last uh, segment, I think, or two segments ago, uh, I think the reason this is happening is not only for attraction and retention of top talent, but I think employers are realizing that what was good about a pension is it got a natural flow of employment going in the workplace. So you could have a legacy company that could be around for decades, if not, you know, a century because you have people leave and then you can bring in less expensive talent to replace them. Mm -hmm. That's where you're at. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I agree. I, I I think it's, uh, I'm I'm glad it's happening for sure. Uh, it's going to help a lot of people, uh, especially <laughs> the older people are are, are at a point. To, so those that are near retirement are at a point where it, it's going to help them a little bit. But especially those that are just entering the workforce who are trying to balance all sorts of different obligations. Okay. Uh, you know, paying off student loans and 
uh, they're in that accumulation phase where they just don't have anything. And there are certain things they have to start to pick up. Yep. Um, they may be contributing to the 401k. They just may not be able to contribute and direct as much of that as they feel like they can because they've got some legitimate other obligations they've got going on. And that little extra boost early in their career is going to pay off big time when it comes time to retire. Mm-hmm. I like how that works. I, I, I apologize. I was trying to actually get ready for the next oh, financial current event. Uh, well, I found one. Uh, the average 401k balance, according to Fidelity... You want to hear what the average is based on age? Have you seen these? Oh, you want to guess them? Or have you seen it? Let's do, I, you know what? I've seen it, so it'd be kind of oh. cheating. But I do have a comment. Go ahead, and I, I have a comment on this, though. Uh, 20 to 29 years old, the average balance is 11800 mm-hmm. 30 to 39 years old, is the average balance is 42400 40 to 49 years old, the average balance is 102700 50 to 59, the average balance is 174100 and the average balance from 60 to 69 is 195,500. I, I, feelings, thoughts, Dame, go. If you are hearing this and you're thinking, you're looking at your 401k statement and it's not anywhere close to this. It, yours is higher or lower? Lower. Okay. If yours lower, is lower. If than it's lower than okay. this, um, especially if there was a job change recently, Okay. don't get hung up on it. Because if they are pulling these numbers out of, established accounts, um, there are certainly going to be some that are lower for your age bracket. See, okay, so that's really interesting because they're doing these based on the 401ks they manage. Exactly. Just looking at their accounts. Um, Yeah, that's an interesting perspective, right? They're looking at accounts that have been around for a while. Yeah. So, I mean, the data, I'm sure, is accurate for the the things that they are querying on. However, it's not taking into uh, into account a couple very important things. And so if if your account balance is less and you've recently had a job change, don't freak out. This definitely skews reality, I sure. think. Yeah. You, know, you know what actually concerns me the most about this? In a perfect world, the balance for each decade further should be double what the previous one is. Good, good observation. Yeah. So you go from the first decade, your 20s, 11,800, and then it increases by almost four times to 42,400 mm-hmm. by your 30s. Uh, and then you de- increase by two, you go to 102,000 in your 40s. But this is where I'm like, what is going on? In your 50s, it's 174. Dude, that should be way north of 200. Yep. And at 60 to 69, it's 195. That should be 400 to 500 at that point. Yep. That's what that's the scariest part about this study. Yeah. It is not what's happening in twenties and thirties. Forties is okay, but fifties and sixties is terrifying. Yeah, that's that's eye opening. All right, that's all we have time for. If you have questions, email us ask Pete at PeteThePlanner.com and I'll actually ask someone that knows the answer to, and that's that's Damien. Uh, that's all we have time for this week. So I'm sending you good vibes. Good vibes are well, it's all that's in the budget. That's why we offer you that. We have nothing else to offer you. I'm Peter Dunn, that's Damien Dunn. And this is the Pete the Planner Show.